Welcome back to Stories Out of Time and Space. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and as always, I'm with my ace companion, Julian. <laughs> Julian, how are you doing? You okay? I'm doing all right, but I've shed the leather suit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How are you doing? Uh, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. We're reaching sort of, um, we get into the end of our our classic run um, on, on Doctor Who. We're reaching the, the sort of the seventh Doctor, Sylvester McCoy. Um and we're going to be talking about Remembrance of the Daleks, often considered sort of his, uh, I don't know, one of his his better stories. No, it's, it's, it's a bit of a sort of a bittersweet pill, this one, because obviously this is not this series. It was series 26. It was that he had one more sort of series. But uh, he was the last of the classic Doctors. And it was it was Sylvester McCoy that is, I think, you know, un, unfairly associated with the cancellation uh, of the show. Um. But I have to say, he's also really my first Doctor. Like I was at this age, just you know, a little bit. I'd seen te- little bits of previous Doctors and repeats and stuff, but this was the first one where I, I watched regular. Um, I, I first watched regular shows, so Pester McCoy is sort of my first Doctor. But um, yeah, as we jump in, there, remembrance. Well, yeah, have you got any remembrance of this or of this story? Did you watch it before? No, I had not seen this before. Um, I think I think I've seen all of season twenty-four, the first mm. uh, uh, McCoy season, um, and, but I had not continued. Um, so this is the first time I've seen it, and this is the final Dalek appearance of the original yes. continuity. Um, I, I, I thought it was very interesting some of the similarities in, in ways that sets up some of the revived series. But what were your thoughts? Yeah, it's interesting. Um... I, I, I like this show. It's, it's sort of uh, as an overview. One of the things that's interesting is um, when McCoy was first introduced. If you go watch and watch sort of like Time and the Rani when he sort of his first, he's first introduced for his regeneration. Um, they have him as almost like I don't know clownish. Like he tre- he has like, he does like pratfalls and he sort of plays it sillier. And I think they're trying to sort of pull back after um, Colin Baker being known as like the angry Doctor. Mm. Um, and it, that season 24 sort of it, it's bumpy um you know it has moments but like the, the stereos aren't great i think they, they try and sort of it's not a soft reboot but they they've tinkered with the doctor for this this is the, this is the first series of, of series 25 and it feels like they've tinkered with the doctor like they're bringing in a different um attitude like gone is sort of like you know the sort of the silliness and he's playing a bit i don't know sit more serious um i much prefer him in this like i think this is a from this point on i think you know and it gets worse i mean you go through to like some of the end ones uh battlefield in particular and obviously leaving on survivor he plays a very sort of a bit, a bit darker in the doctor which play again as you said plays into the 
tone that was setting for for New Who. So um, I think yeah, maybe it's a little bit ahead of its time. I don't know, but uh, I do like this story. Yeah, I, I think that for me, the best of um, season twenty four is uh, Paradise Towers, the sort of yes. uh, uh, high rise riff, um, which is a novel I quite like. But um, you know, you're right that this is a darker Doctor. Um, mm. He he is brusque. He's still, of course, wearing the the Riddler esque uh, costume, <laughs> um, and. You know, the sort of thematic stuff that that goes back a few doctors. But um, he is, at at other times, very brusque. He's Mm -hmm. also very willing to kill. um, And he doesn't justify it with, you know, oh, the Daleks have murdered countless people. You know, he's just like, no, I'm going to kill them. Um, (laughs) And uh, it sort of, you know, commits uh, genocide at the end yet again. Um, the doctor is one thing that we've learned through this journey in the TARDIS is how genocidal the doctor is. Yeah. Oh yeah. He, he's willing to wipe out a race like, you know, you know, quicker than it takes to regenerate. I mean, yeah, it, it, we'll, we'll talk, we'll get to the end of this. We'll get to the sort of, I'll call it, I don't know, a twist. Uh, if you want to call it that. Um, Because I I actually think the ending is actually one of the weaker parts of this story. I think there's much better pieces. Everything that's on Earth is actually a lot better. Um, But one one of the things I find the most, the the Doctor's definitely darker. uh, And I think there's some great interesting elements in that. And some sort of, I like one of of the things this story does, which I like when they do this in the show, is they hint at what came before. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like, you know, we, we were introduced to the Hartnell Doctor and sort of, but this is a series, obviously, this series hints at, well, even before that, there was things going on, you know. Um, but also Ace acts as um, a good companion for me. Uh, I enjoy uh, her um, and replacing, and <laughs> basically, I can't stand Bonnie Langford. Um, the previous companion um, she never worked for me it was just it just doesn't work she just irritates me and so she just grates on me so, so I, feel, I feel Ace is a much better companion um, and um, yeah she's more interesting because it also like she's clearly sort of like like all the companions we've had companions who do different things like Ace is the first one that like may or may not be carrying explosives around in her backpack <laughs> <laughs> And the doctor's fine with that. And you're just like, all right, fair enough. So, yeah. And Ace sticks around. Yeah. You know, right through the, the end of the show. Um, I was taken by the Ace action sequence um, mm. in which she uh, dives through a window. And, you know, I thought this is this is quite actiony for Doctor Who. Yeah. Well, I say they give Ace some great moments. Like she beats a Dalek up with like an electrified baseball bat. She mm. blows some things up. Um, yeah, like she, you know, but she has some interesting, um, quieter moments as well. You know, she comes from sort of like the late 80s, that's when she's sort of like, you know, she's supposed to be sort of like this rebellious, you know, older teen from the, from the late 80s. And to go back to 1963, and she sort of stays in that, you know, they're staying in that, um, I don't know, like what you call it, like a, uh, like a hostel, but like a bit of B and B, like a bed and breakfast, whatever it is, sort of like a, you know, 
uh, bedsit. And she finds the sign in the window later on that says, like, no coloreds. Mm-hmm. And her reaction to that is actually kind of sort of like, it's interesting. Like, at first, she wants to confront the woman who runs the house about it. And then she's like, uh, no, I'm just going to go out for a walk. Like, I've got to think about this. Like, you know, <laughs> it's quite, you know, it's, it's clearly quite shocking to her. Um, and again, this leans into one of the Doctor Who favourites, you know, Nazism and, and this idea. Mm-hmm. So, which we'll address. Um, but no, I, I do like the, the elements of this story, how it sort of works. Yeah, and I think that the I, obviously the the no colors is uh, although you know of course it's spelled wrong with a U is um, <laughs> you know is uh, you know quite a uh, remarkable moment and it you're right that it plays into the Nazis thing which is also you know one of the origins inspirations for the Daleks but also mm-hmm. into this sort of Dalek civil war of racial impurity although. It could have, I mean, that's a nice moment. It could have been, you know, they could have done more with that, right? Yes. I mean, it, it's sort of a theme in the background rather than, you know, in uh, the foreground. Yeah, that's it. I, think, I don't think this is as brave as some of the pe- the previous ones have been in, in addressing or being as upfront. Until the end, like you, you sort of get it a little bit more um, when you, you have a, a British soldier uh you know that sort of betrayal that happens, and him actually sort of saying, "Well, I I, I agree because I like the ideas." You know, they presented me these ideas, and I sort of kind of liked it. Um, but yeah, e- even well, we'll we'll get to all this because I think we're about to go back to the beginning. Because the thing is, as well, one of the interesting things is, is this: is some of these ones is for this in particular. Like, you never see the TARDIS mm. appear or reappear. They just sort of mm-hmm. they're just there and walking down the street. So, um. Yeah. unless i missed it like there's no other oh. there's no particular reason for them to be there yeah they never really arrive you know no. they're they're just sort of there yeah and they're like oh look suspicious van and that's it like the story <laughs> sort of starts and it's not until this sort of a little bit later that they identify it's 1963 and it sort of unfurls that it's gone full circle because this is the year that obviously hartnell left um you know to, to become the doctor sort of thing um, so yeah, I was a bit confused by the beginning of this. Like, did they come here for a purpose? Like, does the Doctor know this whole thing with the Omega, the the, the hand of Omega is going to happen, and he's there to to stop it? Or yeah, um, I have questions about that. I mean, so I mean, I know that school. Like we see, we've seen that school in the revived show. It's obviously there in the first episode, which is mm-hmm. you know, I think quite a supremely good episode, um, and. You know, it, it was the setting of that class spinoff that I haven't seen. Um, but um, so it's a little confusing to me. So, like, you'd think that there would be a line of dialogue saying, oh, we're back to where it started. Right. Yeah. Um, and I guess we're supposed to know it's 63 because it opens with these quotations, you know, these clips, including of JFK um, and Martin Luther King while the Dalek ship is sort of approaching Earth. And that's the entire teaser of mm. the first episode, um, which seems to be pretty minimal. But I guess the trick is, oh, hey, we're back where it started. It just it'd be nice to have that underlined by a line of dialogue, you know. Um, and then the well, other even, thing even is, for the doctor to acknowledge it, like, well, I yeah. don't understand why he's taken it there. Like it's never acknowledged. If he was to be like, you know, hey, yes, this is, you know, where I 
this is where sort of like you know I stayed here and this is where I sort of first started taking on human companions or something I don't know but mm-hmm. yeah yeah and equally like if you're going to say that well uh you know you abandoned Susan and you know uh you <laughs> yeah. abandoned your daughter in you know a Dalek destroyed future uh which he at least references you know I I did like that it's still in continuity I mean, mm-hmm. through the Revive series for what it does for continuity. It's clearly still in continuity. Oh, yeah, Earth is going to be destroyed by the Daleks, you know, conquered, you know, and overthrown in the 23rd century. Um, so I did like that. That's clearly still in continuity. Um, but I did. I do wonder about this. This uh, is the hand of Omega. Um, it does seem a little... Uh, irresponsible of Hartnell to just kind of leave that on earth. <laughs> yeah. It's almost the whole story sort of seems to play a little bit like, um, you know, well I left and uh, yeah, I left the oven on, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I went on all these well, wild adventures and I've, I've sort of come back to fix it. Like it, it does. It sort of almost feels like it, it, that could even be the drop line of like, yeah, I left this incredibly powerful device about and I'm sort of back to, to sort it, but yeah, it, it does, doesn't it? Like he's he's just, he's just sort of like gone off on his adventures. And you're like, you appear to have left this all powerful weapon on Earth <laughs> in a funeral parlor. Like it, it does seem incredibly irresponsible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, what alien doesn't leave a uh, solar system destroying device around for uh, a primitive race to find? <laughs> I mean. That was Captain Kirk's raison d'être, I think. To, to be, yeah, to be fair. I mean, I do like the fact as well, though, that when you get into what this thing, the, the hand of you never, you never see it as well. I think, you know, they don't try and sort of give you some rinky-dink sort of like paper mache kind of thing. They're not going to try and show it to you. It just exists in this casket. Mm-hmm. Um, and you never really see it, you know. But I do, I do like this idea, though, that... Because um, you don't know how old the doctor is. Well, no, you do. Because he says at one point he does. He says, you know, I've been around for nine hundred years. Yeah. Um. You know, I'm I'm good at rewiring things. He says, well, you know, you get good at it when you've been doing it for nine hundred years. Um. But the, the the I like this interesting thing of, you know, before Hartley he drops a line, doesn't he? When they were talking about later on, he says, oh well, we were doing these experiments, and Ace picks up on it. She, what do you mean we? And he's like, well, you know, the, you know, time lords. And he's clearly sort of like covering. So you're like, all right, so you were part of this whole thing that established how the TARDIS works. You, you were there. So you, you established the rules of time travel and how this, you know, the because and 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 because even they cover themselves by saying like, well, clearly Daleks have time travel. And he's like, yes, but it's like a rough, dirty technology. <laughs> it's not as refined as we are, sort of thing. And they want this power. Um. So I kind of like that, that there is this sort of, you know, almost like an arms race of time travel and sort of the Time Lords beat out the Daleks, um, which obviously then leads to the Time War. But and that's what that, that's what I was thinking. This like, this mm-hmm. leads on to that. This episode feels important in the grander scheme of things. So. Um, right. And, you know, the Time War, you know, I mean, between the the Time Lords and the Daleks is such a key component of the revived series. Mm. Um, but it, it is not, although the Daleks are the sort of arch adversary of the doctor, um, 
they're not typically shown as traveling in time. And so that yeah. line also sparked some thought in, in me. I was like, oh, okay, this is, you know, how they could, you know, sort of evolve to, to be that level of villain. The other thing is that the Daleks in here, I mean, you have the, you know, return of Davros, but, you know, the Daleks in here are split between two factions, which we've seen in the revived show. Mm-hmm. Um, and also you get the sort of like white and gold Daleks. Well, we've seen colored Daleks. Yeah. You have, you know, we've seen a few sort of like specialist Daleks over the years, but you see far more in here. And it does seem like it's a kind of like you run Batman forward enough and you get Batgirl and you get, you know, like all of these, um, you know, permutations. It does seem like that inevitably happens with the Daleks. Yeah, it, it, I like that that it does that because again, one of the things I think is interesting. There's so many little bits in this show in this serial that I really enjoyed that for that purpose is they refer to them and, and I like that again. A sort of gives it this sort of really sort of like sort of like here it is for the for the you know for the front row. It's just like there's two there's a set of blobs. One blobs has become attached with machinery and don't like the, and so the other blobs don't feel happy about it. So there's a blob war and you're sort of like, all right, fine. That's that's literally it. Sort of like, <laughs> um, but I like this idea that they call him like a royal. They almost call him sort of like a royal uh, or elite level Dalek. Mm. And they've actually sort of attached cybernetics to themselves. So they're not just this genetic mm. mass. But one of the things I think is interesting, because it's not crystal clear because uh, obviously the special effects aren't good, but they've got this transmat. So they've actually got like a, a teleporter technology. Mm-hmm. And when the Daleks are appearing, you see oh, yes. the Dalek appearing within, you see like this, this like two shapes, you see the casing, like the, you know, the typical Daleks or uh, shell in the armor, but there's this thing inside it, this sort of like warped thing. And it's clearly like, it has a head and sort of like you know some form of appendages and stuff but like almost like in a sitting position and i was like that's ace like i really like that that, that you see this thing inside the dark i don't know what, what your thoughts were on that no i caught on to that too and i loved it um and it's mm. so brief but it's one of those shots uh like when you see the outline of somebody's skeleton as they're electrocuted where you sort of yeah. see inside the dalek as it's materializing and yeah i mean that did kind of help with the special effects that obviously during these years, you have the sort of like early CGI, um, you know, uh, sequence, yeah. the title sequence, which is so cringeworthy now, but <laughs> you know, and you do have some special effects. Like I thought the coffin was pretty good overall, but oh, the you floating know, coffin thing. yeah, the floating mm. coffin was pretty good to me. Um, you know, and, but like the Dalek, you've got a, a flying Dalek, right? Again, another forerunner yeah, yeah. of the revived show. I guess this is the first time where a Dalek goes up the stairs uh, mm. and it's the uh, cliffhanger of the first one. And you just sort of have a red glow on its base. Now, you know, in fairness, the revived show is how many years later? And it's not all that much better at first. Yeah. But um, no, I mean, I, I thought that that, not only was that so charming and I love seeing that kind of schematic of a Dalek. I love schematics. I love like mm-hmm. in the back of comics where you're like, here's how the Titans tower or Avengers headquarters work. You know, I always dig that stuff. And so for me, it's cool. I, I mean, you know, I have too many Starfleet technical manuals, but you know, <laughs> it's really cool for me to see the inside of a Dalek. 
mm-hmm. even if, and, and that also I think helps compensate for some of if you're gonna do a paint on kind of effect, that's a pretty as you would say ace you know way of handling it. Give yeah. a viewer something extra. Yeah, I, 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 it looks good. Like you know, it's clearly an effect, but it looks good for what they're trying to achieve. Um, but it sets up some of the stuff you're going to get because you do get sort of to see a little bit more of a Dalek as well. Like there's one, there's one later on when <laughs> they have that battle that like they confront. You know, and again, it's it's sort of a it's the payoff to under the cliffhanger. Sort of like you know, Ace is surrounded by these Daleks and she's about to be attacked, and then they, the Doctor turns up with the military and sort of wipes them out. But when they look inside, like this clawed hand comes out <laughs> as the royal ones and stuff. And you never fully see inside them, but you see people's reactions again. And they're like, look at this. And they're like, one of them saying, yeah, I can sort of t- I can sort of see that this is an appendage. And there's all these mechanical parts, all these electronic parts attached and stuff. And she's like, oh, my God, yeah, they've gone sort of like, you know, mechanoid or whatever. And that's enough. Like, I don't want to have to look in there because my imagination mm. of what it looks like inside of a, a Dalek um, shell, I don't want it to be because, you know, 88, it must be 1988. There was no way they were going to fulfill that. <laughs> so I like that they don't. And then they get this clawed hand um, thing that comes out. So it's a little cheesy, but I, I really like all that. The representation of the Daleks in this, I actually really enjoy. Yeah, it is cheesy. Uh, definitely that hand looks like a, a, a little <laughs> puppet. That, that is being yes, it does. Improperly held from inside by somebody who does not have perfect vision on what he's doing. <laughs> Having said that, yeah, I mean, they, you and I both give points for going for it. Um, mm. And and I do like that description. That description does sort of seem, um, you know, there's something eldritch about it. You know, that, that is quite good. That sort of, because too often the Daleks are sort of depicted as almost like a Krang from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, yes. right? They're just kind of like a blob that sits in the top. And... That's fine. I mean, it, you know, there's a cool element of what's inside this awesome casing. Well, it's just this this blob thing. But, you know, actually describing it as more alien, more scary, I think, you know, does wonders. Yeah. And so, yes, well, I like all that. And I do like this idea of the factionism of, as you said, sort of like, you know, you wind it on, you're bound to get this thing, but this factionalism that sort of appears, sort of like you have this elite that are developing themselves with uh, technology, you know, the, the white and gold, which is a really good look as well, by the way. I think it looks, it's, it's really striking. Um, and then you have this sort of the grey and black, which are sort of like, um, they're, they're, I don't know, pure bloods, which is, you know, they're sort <laughs> of like, oh, they're not pure enough to be Dalek. And you sort of, and someone makes a really good point of like, but they're mutants of like, yes, which is, a, which well, is a, an interesting point. In addition, even the pure quote unquote Daleks are, you know, piloting casing suits, right? Like, yeah, they're rocket red, basically. I mean, they're Iron Man. Uh, and in, in most versions, they can't breathe. They can't really function outside of that casing. Um, mm. So why are they so angry about others becoming cyborgs? It seems like, you know, all right, well, you know, yeah, we're mutants. We also depend on a techno suit to survive. But yeah. God forbid you have any technology in your body. Yeah, it, 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 it's, 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 it's an odd thing to get annoyed about isn't it really because yeah. you know and you know the, the only thing that i thought about as i was watching it 
which sort of goes against maybe it doesn't does this idea of the Daleks is it was it was it almost because the ones in the white and gold are almost just like an elite aren't they they're, they're sort of they're treated as sort of like the top of the top so was it almost like a class thing of you know oh there's these elites that are hogging um uh, the you know the biotech or the mechanic you know the cyborg tech and so you get these others that sort of create this sort of as you do sort of like if we, or if we can't have it we're going to sort of turn against it then and say that it's not pure or whatever i don't you know you don't really get an origin for this faction um civil war other than oh they've got mechanical bits and they don't like it and that seems to be it like you know um and and this is one of the things I think you could now do with with Doctor Who. You could now have a bit more of a complex conversation about well, why are you you could I mean you could have the Doctor literally ask the question you've just said and go well, look you, you're just a mutant blob in a case as well like you're one step away from them. What why are you so angry with with them? And then maybe have you know they'd probably try and cover that off in some way, but they just sort of it just sort of happens in this one. Yeah, I kind of have. I mean, I guess it makes sense with the Daleks being about purity and everything else. Mm. But I usually object to when the Daleks or the Cybermen are sort of split into different groups. Mm. I, I I object in the same way to the Borg being splintered into different groups. I mean, I think that one it takes away from what's scary about them. And, mm. in, and in all three of those cases, they are sort of... Nazi parallels in one way or another, right? What's yeah. scary about them is their inhumanity, their obe- their blind obedience, their willingness to to die, um, combined with their advanced technology. And their inhumanity is part of what makes them so scary, right? Yes. Yeah. To then say, yeah, but they are feuding just like other humans. They can't yeah. get their own act together. They're all about obedience, but. And, and that might be realistic, but it does, for me, take away some of the uh, fear about them. And in this case, I'm not sure that you really need that division for the plot. No, because the, 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 it's, yeah, because you quickly learn that, you know, they're, they're there, for, well, there's a faction there, then there's another faction arrives, and all this other stuff. Like, it's, it's, it's a layer in a story because it turns out that every, everyone is there for this, the Hand of Omega. And like you say, you could have just had Daleks turning up and searching for it. Um, mm-hmm. However, I think one of the things you do get is you do get that Dalek on Dalek fight in the street. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is actually kind of cool. So you do get that, which I think is quite interesting. I mean, you could do the same thing. I mean, the, with saying that uh, the children that the faction on Earth is using, um, you know, is has some sort of rebelled in some way and they're still Davros Daleks, but their strategy is to use these children, um, mm. you know, and then, you know, the children are like, yeah, you need to rebel against these other Daleks. I mean, you could still get that, but yeah, I know what, I know what you're saying. The fight is kind of cool. What do you think of the depiction of those children in the, in the helmet and, yeah. and sort of creeping around the uh, whole episode? Um, the first, the, it's one of those things. It's sort of, again, it sort of, it works and it doesn't work. Um, 
when when she's just at the, the little girl at the school gate and that sort of thing, and even like you know Ace and the Doctor are like, what's she looking at? What's your problem? And it sort of builds up to a reveal, but it, and that's the problem when it builds up to the reveal because you see this sort of chair with this motor, you know, motorcycle helmet on it, painted black, and you know it's sort of set up to look a dark thing. When it's sort of facing away, it, I mean, whatever it happened at that point. Unfortunately, it was one of those where like I'm seeing this chair and I'm thinking like Doctor Claw from Inspector Gadget. You know? <laughs> And then, and then when they do have the reveal, it spins around, and there's this little girl in the school girl, you know, in the school uniform that lifts the helmet up, and I'm just like, and she's supposed to be sort of like some psychic link to the Daleks. Again, it's one of those where I'm like, what purpose does she serve? Is she supposed to be sort of like, if she's supposed to be an ability for them to sort of like to go into their mind, to then act as sort of like spies or drones on the street so they can see what's going on without being detected. That's fine. But then why is she sat in this chair acting as a leader when we've cl- yeah. we've seen they've got technology they can interface with? So it seems pointless. So, yeah, it, it seems that they build up this reveal and the reveal sort of just makes me giggle because I'm like, it, mm. it, it makes it feel pointless. I don't know. It, the idea of them infecting the children is is kind of unnerving but then the payoff doesn't work for me yeah and i think if this were like new who you'd have creepy scenes of those kids being allowed to be creepier and you know yeah i mean there is that shot of the microchip behind the ear but it's mm. of an adult um and these days you'd see something like that but it'd be on a child's head and you know yes. it'd be it'd be much more effective I mean, I, I'm with you that I think it's a, a sort of interesting idea, is a good idea. It helps make the Daleks sort of creepy again. But I think when you first see the uh, girl in the chair from behind, and you sort of see her from behind for several episodes, at least a couple before she turns around, mm. at that point, you haven't seen Davros. So I thought, oh, okay, that's Davros uh, yeah. just from behind. Um, and the reveal is going to be he turns around. And then I, I, I don't know if the joke or the reveal is, haha, it's not Davros. It's this little kid in a, you know, in a schoolgirl's outfit. Um, I, you know, but you're right that it sort of strikes me as less scary than silly. And then, then she and, and the little boy are, I think initially, well, I forget which one is first, but initially they they seem to be the the leader, but then they're commanded and they say, I obey, you know. All right, well, so they're not in charge. It seems a little confused. It did, no, it, and that's where I think that the power doesn't work because I wasn't sure about the the hierarchy of who's commanding who, because mm. you've also got this like mothership um, out and about as well that sort of. And that's the elites. So when that all sort of happens as well, I'm sort of like, okay, who who's in charge of who, and and you know, like what is the sort of like I said the hierarchy of it? Because um, it, it sometimes gets a little muddled. Because there's a there's a couple of other coloured dog. There's a, there's a there's a a black Dalit with sort of like silver balls on it as well. And I'm like, okay, cool. So you know, that's not it's not a third faction. It's part of something else. But then that's part of the. Re- the sort of like the rebellion faction, but I'm like, okay, well, if it's black, is that the leader one? And it's sort of, it, yeah, it, it, the the situation with those kids and stuff seems a bit confused at times. So I'm like, okay, it's not important, just ignore it and move on. 
Um, it might be another case, as we've seen in other serials, of sort of shoving too much in, right? Yes, and not fleshing it all out. Yeah. Because it's that thing of, like, you know, uh, one of the, because we have to, you say about questions. If you go back to the beginning, there's a van that's monitoring this school. It's a, it turns out to be a, a military van. Um, and so there's this sort of, you know, the military already, in, they've already received or, you know, detected these um, signals or whatever. But we then find out that the, 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 um, the Daleks are there to fire this, the Hand of Omega, and the two factions are fighting over it or whatever. But I'm still not sure why they've gone to this school. Because <laughs> <laughs> it turns out that the Hand of Omega is in, it's in, you know, uh, London, as it would be. And it's at this funeral parlour in this casket that then, you know, the Doctor intends to bury. But, like, I still don't know why they chose this school as a base. Like, it doesn't seem like there's any explanation other than, oh, yeah, creepy kids. We can do creepy kids coming out of the school. Or and, we could show that school again, you know. We're, yes. we're celebrating the anniversary by going back to the first episode. You know? mm. Yeah, it, it just, it, yeah. It just feels like there's a lot. In the beginning of this, there's lots of things that seem to happen or lots of things are in place that I'm not entirely sure why they're in place. You know, like the military are all involved and they've got scientists involved all very, very quickly because they have these signals or whatever. And I'm like, seems a bit, you know, they're jumping the gun a little bit on this one. But Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. That is another sort of weird plot hole. Yeah, and, and you know, it's like a lot of Doctor Who. You just sort of, you know, ignore it and go on. Yeah, yeah. It's it's only the setup. It's this. It's just. It's just this beginning bit that I'm a bit sort of like, eh? Because the, the school's actually got like soldiers watching it. Yeah. <laughs> and because that's how you meet this guy whose mom owns this this bedsit, and Ace meets him in this cafe and stuff. And they, but you find out that the, yeah, the army are watching this school, and I'm still like, I'm not sure what for. Like, how bad have things got to get for the army to be watching a school? Like, you know. Well, and also you don't see uh, students of the school. Uh, <laughs> you don't see you know uh, many administrators or, or teachers at all. So, you know, it's sort of like, how does the school function? Yeah. You know, <laughs> none no of them are leaving. Yeah. Yeah. There's no kids fleeing the Dalek attacks. It's like, oh, we've got a transmat in our basement that's filling the school with Daleks. Do we have to evacuate the school? Ah, don't worry about it. We haven't cast those characters. Yeah, it, it, it feels it's sort of you know uh, clearly quite empty. The halls of this school are quite empty. Um, because it, it it has little nods that carry on in, again. Um, something that sets up for for new who, and I think it may have been, even happened before, is uh, when the doctor goes into the school to start to have a look at this, he is mistaken for someone who's applying for the caretaker's job, which has been used at least twice. I think Tennant did it and Capaldi did it as well, being the sort of the um, the caretaker at a school. Um, and so I was like, I kind of like those little bits where people just seem assuming he sort of goes, yeah, all right, that sounds like a good way of getting into the school. Let's just go with that. And is willing to roll with those things. Um, but like you say, yeah, you never introduce anyone, any children other than the, the bad children in this sort of school. And and the headmaster who um, has the chip behind his ear. Um, so, yeah, it's 
and I know this is all budgetary. I understand that this is all budgetary because you know, extras cost money and time, and more children means restrictions on filming times and all that kind of stuff. So I'm sure I'm assuming there must have been considerations with the like we could have a class, and they're like it's going to cost this much, it's going to take this much time. We have, we don't have to worry about it. Just do what we can do. Um, yeah, that's true. But you think that you know that would be cheap compared to to most stuff, right? You know, I mean, just you get a bunch of peep extras and just throw them in a classroom. You're clearly happy. Yeah, even for a single, even for a single uh, two or three shots, I could probably look yeah. a day's work. Um, so kids yes. love to run away. You know, just like yeah. put a Dalek in the background and have kids running away from a Dalek every Brit. Every yes. proper British kid would jump oh, at the chance to do not that. Just kid, adult. If I was in the show, and I was get, I'm being chased by Daleks. That's amazing. That sort of yeah. Um, one of the things I do like we talk about this. We talk obviously, we, you know, we talk about this going back to 1963 and all these other bits. There's a great line when uh, the Ace, because and this is one of the reasons I like the Ace is this rebellious sort of companion sort of thing. Because she's able to ask certain questions and sort of. She definitely acts as sort of like the viewer's sort of entry point. Because she says, like, well, hang on, I don't remember hearing or reading anything about a Dalek invasion in 1963. And the Doctor says, well, do you remember this or this? And he sort of reels off these other stories yeah. that have happened. And he's just like, no. And he's like, well, there you go. Humans have this incredible, you know, insane capacity to be able to sort of forget and ignore these fantastical things that have happened. Um and I kind of like the way he sort of dismisses it and sort of like she's a bit disgruntled, but like it's just, look, oh no, look, yeah, this has happened. These other things have happened and you don't know about them either. So forget about it. Um, I, like, I like the way it sort of addresses line. it. It is. No, no, it's a good line. And it is a kind of like, I mean, I can imagine that tossed away as a sort of new who line, you know, with mm-hmm. a little bit more panache maybe, but still, you know, a, a great way of explaining it. On the other hand, those explanations always make me think of sort of fueling the conspiracy theories, right? Like, oh, yes, we could have many invasions of Earth. The military know all about the Loch Ness Monster. You know, yeah. like, there's a million... And they can cover it up effectively. So, I mean, I, I like it, too, but there's a little bell that goes off in my mind at the same time. There's, there's only so much you can tally up <laughs> before all of a sudden you're like, no, I don't think we can get away with... I mean, who knew who tried to address mm-hmm. it by saying actually everyone does know you know like we've had uh invasions we've had um spaceships almost crash into london so on and so forth well that's the, i mean the christmas invasion right it's just yes. you know right no eventually the the world's going to find out about this this is somebody's going to see it and 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 i love that uh i love that sort of divergence from it's this weird thing i was going to say um i was thinking about comic books i was going to say earlier Ace is the Jason Todd of mm. Doctor Who companions, you know, the, the sort of rough and tumble 80s kid. Yes. Um, but, you know, I was thinking of comics in another way of this sort of like weird insistence on not deviating from the world that we know. Right. Yes. And, you know, it's like, well, we'll lose the audience. But you can't run any of these stories, whether it's Superman or Doctor Who, without deviating at some point, because we're going to notice those aliens invading or yeah. some of this technology is going to change something. Well, and that's the biggest problem, isn't it? Sort of the more you do, the more you introduce, the more you are, you know, you can't keep saying that this is the world we live in. I mean, that's sort of, you know, 
talking comics, that's the problem I always have with all of them. Like you've got if you've got Iron Man and, and you know you've got Tony Stark and Reed Richards doing all this other stuff, like well, how come you've still got people using regular phones in you know, other other panels? Like, you know, Apple doesn't exist or Sony doesn't exist in a world where Reed Richards is inventing things every other day. Like it's doesn't make sense. Um so at least they sort of they try and address it in this in who the sort of like yeah these things have happened and they were small scale so you didn't you know they just forget about it. they get pushed into you know mythology or folklore um so I do like that um but there the, is the, another the... another throwaway line I thought you you're going to mention which is which is that uh, technically this takes place in the Quatermass universe. Uh, there's that line about Bernard from the British yes. Rocket Group. I thought yes. would, this would tickle you. It did, and I was going to say it's the. Um, uh, I think it's the. Oh, there are two like references to that kind of person. There's, there's a new Who reference to that kind of thing as well. And I think it's in the um, an early tenant when he, he references a friend. You know, Bernard in the in the record in the in the what's it? But yes. And I like that because, again, we've always said, like, you know, well, without Quatermass, you don't get Doctor Who. And so it's a nice little nod again, this sort of celebratory nod to be like, um, no, yeah, th- th- we, we know our origins and we know sort of like British science fiction. And, and you viewers are more than welcome to imagine that all of that has taken place in this universe, too, if you yes. so desire. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I still... It's still the crossover I want more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love the, the joy on your face as you say that. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is, this episode also gets, or this serial gets, a little bit meta. Like, it's very um, minor. But they're at the bed sit, and it's just as um, Ace leaves when she finds the sign that says no colours. And the TV says, you know, good evening, mm. it's the BBC. Um, now starting a new television, duck. And it's just, it just it says duck, it sort of cuts out to the next scene. Um, and I, I was in two minds about that. I was like, uh-huh. that's that's funny. Mm-hmm. But is this a straight... I mean, you know, were they getting that yeah. meta in 1988? <laughs> but, well, I don't mind that it's meta. I mean, and, you know, of course you could pass... I mean, maybe they were going to say something else instead of Doctor Who. Mm. But... Um, yeah, I was of two minds too. The positive is, oh, that's clever, and yeah, yeah it's not a big deal. Obviously, of continuity issues with Doctor Who, this is not yeah. worth being uh, upset no. about. On the flip side, it's like, right? I mean, what else was that if not Doctor Who? And if it is Doctor Who, how is this show? How do we understand that? Okay, shut up, Julian. You know, it's just yeah. a bit of fun. It's a nice little nod. I mean, it's an Easter egg before sort of Easter eggs. I can imagine, you know, mm. people getting excited by it. Fan services, if you if you will. But it works. It's good. Um, but yeah, all this sort of is building up to. Because um, one of the things I would say about the, the sh- one of the things of this about this show and this uh, this and the next series was. The BBC was sort of cutting budget left, right, and centre. Like, not, you know, not, so they tried to limit the stories. Like, the stories take place in, you know, much smaller locales. The sets, because we were talking about how good the sets were on sort of the uh, Peter Davison one. Um, 
and you know some of the others have been quite sort of like sprawling and stuff like you know third doctor had a thing where they were traveling to different universes and it was on this big oil thing and all this other stuff this feels very self-contained within this school and the sets and that sort of thing um and that sort of carries on however they do have this persistent persistence for physical effects mm-hmm. um and it pays off over you know because you have like a number of Daleks in this serial. Like it's not just one or two. Like there's at least, you know, ten on each side at times. Like you see quite a few. And um the the other thing is you get um a, a shuttlecraft that's come from the mothership. And there's a great like it lands it lands in the playground mm-hmm. of the school, smashes all the glass in and all this other stuff. Great. I'm lo- I'm loving all that. And I'm going, have this, is this a miniature? And then you see it land, and I'm like, no. <laughs> this, this is a full-size shuttlecraft. Like, you know, it looks quite boxy, you know, and all this other stuff. Like, you know, it doesn't look like an Earth shuttle. But it lands. I'm not, I don't know how it must have done it with a crane or something. But I'm like, yeah, well done for really pushing those physical effects. I mean, Daleks come out of it. A door opens, and actual Daleks mm. come out of it. And it's not a miniature. Like it's in a school. I was really impressed with that. Like I thought that was a really cool. Um, that and you said about like, the 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 floating coffin, but that shuttlecraft when it lands, I thought I was I was really impressed with that because it becomes a physical um, set for them to use. Yeah. No, I had the same thought. Like as it's landing, I'm like, oh, uh, you know, are, are they doing this? Are they, you know, and then I, oh no, they they went for it. Um, I, I did sort of think as the doctor opens the hatch, you could mm. have put some sort of connection between like, it's not a hatch so much as a panel that you pull off, um, yeah. but it does look cool. Um, you know, I do think that Davros doesn't look as good as in the Genesis of the Daleks. No, um, you know, that would be a complaint. Um, but you know, you're right about practical effects. I'd also point out the uh, rocket launcher. I mean, like, Yes. Ace uses a rocket launcher. Yeah. <laughs> like they, yeah. you've totally there's. I mean, there's a bunch of explosions. I mean, they're attaching plastic explosive to the Daleks. Th- there are some uh, sort of silly effects with uh, the immobilizer gun that oh, strangely yes. they don't ever use again. And this sort of like electrified bat where they're sort of like drawn old school Disney effects. Yes, Zap um, coming off it. But I dig that, I, you know, I, mm. I, I thought the, the bat effect was better than the, the gun. But I, I do like that they go for it. And I, and I think you and I both have an appreciation for, like, when you dare to, to just go for it, despite not knowing necessarily how the effect is going to go. So, yeah, rocket launchers, we've got people, you know, Ace flying through glass. We've got, you know, ray guns and... Uh, Electrified the, the doctors, like, the doctor, the doctor ziplining from the school onto the shuttlecraft, and mm. yeah, no, yeah. yeah. I mean, you 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 mentioned before in in some of the previous series we do, especially sort of like starting with sort of like the Peter Davison one, it was like, oh, we're now getting like the action doctor, mm-hmm. and I mean, you know, Sylvester McCoy is, he does a bit, but like Ace is clearly that sort of standard of like, okay, she can do the running around, um. And she's actually got some agency. Like Ace, you know, she has, she knows her own mind. She's willing to like blow stuff up. Like she's got no <laughs> compunction about grabbing a rocket launcher or a baseball bat and taking it to things. Um, 
I, I mean, I remember as a kid, like being impressed. Like, oh, this is the companion. Like, she's yeah, she's really cool. Like, you know, she that bomber jacket with all the the badges and stuff sewn onto it. Like, um, but, you know, I thought she was a really sort of cool character. And watching it now, like, yeah, they they do give her more agency than some of the previous companions. And again, like, it feels like she's not. I mean, she's you know, she's not a comparison to like say Rose Tyler or anything like that. But like she feels like an update of, of previous companions. Like they were starting to go, oh, they need to be younger and, you know, they need to be a bit more dynamic. Um, I like that she calls him Professor, um, <laughs> which is quite funny. Um, so, yeah, you know, this, this is the action-packed sort of Doctor. Like, you know, they're really sort of going for it in, in some ways. And they do throughout the rest of the serials. Like, you know, up until the end, I think they sort of like they knew that what was coming. So they were like, ah, balls to it. We're going to go all out. Like, we're going to have a an Arthurian one with a demon and we're going to have cat people and we're going to have like all these things. <laughs> um, and I feel it like in this, I feel they're like, if we know that the end is may, maybe coming, we're going to push the boat as much as possible. And, and I appreciate that in both story and in, in, what's presented on screen um i don't know do you, do you get that sense yeah i i don't know about pushing um pushing things as far as as possible i mean you know those those serials better than i do um you know i i certainly am aware of the you know what's called the cartmill master plan of these years to sort of infuse the doctor back with mystery you know mm. and i think that you're, you're certainly right about Ace, and, you know, I, I don't know, I would say even more than Agency, she is a fully developed character in a way that the past companions really aren't. Mm. Um, and I do like that. I like that she's got a personality, and it's not, yeah, it's a little, you know, I'm the, the action punk kind of character, but she does seem fleshed out in a way that, you know, even... Sarah Jane never felt that fleshed out. She's a yeah. full-on person, right? Yeah, like she has conflicting feelings about things. Like she, 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 you know, and she grows. One of the things we, you know, we'll, we'll say uh, that's interesting because when this ended, and maybe this was more for the the wrap up. Um, obviously, uh, Doctor Who continued beyond. The cancellation in other forms like there were there were some books and the comics and radio dramas and that sort of thing which is cost less money i suppose so they could do that um but in canon and no it's not in canon because obviously ace um um sarah aldred i think the name is is coming back for the last episode of jodie whittaker's uh regeneration but in the books she went on to uh work with the time lords and actually sort of went on and developed as more of a character. And so she'd been a bit of a fan favourite. So it, you're right, like she had a, she was on an arc, like she develops, like being with the Doctor allows her to mature and sort of, uh, she becomes much more of a sort of an interesting character. So yeah, I, I, you say about this infusing of the mystery as well. I, I want to talk about that in a moment, um, because I think this is where it starts. Like they've, they've, you know, they've done a bit more. They've tried to re rebrand the Doctor, or re sort of calibrate the Doctor. But there's this whole thing about his master plan for this serial. So he's trying to stop the Daleks from having the the Hand of Omega, 
And then it's this whole thing. And then later on, he admits it's all a distraction for some of the purpose. And then I'm like, but I don't, under, I don't understand his plan is what it boils down to. Because, again, it seems needlessly complicated. Like, if you'd have just told everybody what your actual plan was. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, and I guess the whole point of, like, I, I really dig the burying of the uh, mm. Hand of Omega in the cemetery. Like, that's Getting quite a blind cool. priest. Getting yeah. Making sure the police was, priest was blind. That was a great touch. Yeah, it is. And the whole burial, I mean, they even go as far as to have the obligatory in the in the ground uh, shot as the doctor throws earth on it. Mm. There's nobody inside, but, you know, he's going through the motions for that priest. So, I mean, they take a bit of time and it's fascinating seeing this levitating I, coffin. I do wonder, are there no witnesses to this? Sure, you've got a blind priest, but, you know. Usually yeah. there are people around. Just, just two people walking past like the church, being like, "What? What is that? What the Something hell is that?" Yeah. Um, but you know, I, ostensibly, once you get past that, I like the scene. I guess the idea is that the doctor has, you know, moved the uh, hand of Omega so that the Daleks won't get a, uh, their hands on it, so to speak, or their plungers mm. on it. But then, you know, once you bury it, his real goal was for them to get it because he's rigged it to, you know, cause Dalek genocide. Yeah, yeah, to sort of... It it boils down to he reversed the polarity. Yes. (laughs) And that's why it boils down to... Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, it was that thing of like, but I'm like, well, why not? So, you know, you wanted the Daleks to believe you were trying to keep it from them to ensure that they wanted it. And you go, all right. Did it, need, did, it, did it need to take all this thing where people have died up until this point? Like, soldiers have been killed. <laughs> and so, right. oh, you know. And, stick and this stick is what your I mean, pinky in your, in your mouth and say, oh, no, Daleks, I hope you don't get a hold yeah. of the hand of Omega. And then run yeah. away and let it do its work. It... it it's fine as a plan, but it still feels a little bit like, you know, like you said, this is a cold doctor. Like, not only is he willing to kill, like he's letting, he's willing to let people die to facilitate his plan. Um, as, especially in the military. And it, I don't know, it, it feels a bit weird. Like, it feels like overly complicated, but it, fine, I'll accept that plan. I don't think it makes sense. I mean, and, and no. I don't even think the, the rigging of the hand of Omega makes sense. Although, it is cool to see. Like, this is a sort of, we don't really know what it does or what it's supposed to do, but it is a kind of, like, doomsday, dangerous kind of Time Lord device, um, Mm. which does kind of add to that air of mystery. Well, they sort of allude to it being a key component of what makes the TARDIS technology possible. But they're not going to try and confirm what it is. And I'm fine with that. They don't need to. Um... But this whole thing of like, yeah, re- re-rigging it to do its thing, um, and because we, we then get to the, you know, you get to the end, and we said about sort of the reveal of Davros being in. <laughs> the only, if you, we're going to be talking about it later in season four, is um, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, like the 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 two thousands version, Martin Freeman in. Um, What's it? The depressed robot in that has got that massive head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It re- 
that's all that thing that Davrosian reminded me of. Marvin, sorry, yeah, thank yes. you. Marvin the Depression. Yeah. I was like, what is this ridiculous looking Dalek <laughs> thing that's floating around? It looks it looks ridiculous. And then when it peels back and you have Davros inside it and he's got wires and stuff into him, it's like, oh, he's part of this thing of having cybernetics or enhancements and stuff. And you go, yeah, but again, I was like, but he was before. <laughs> like when we saw him in Genesis of the Daleks, like he had an, a headpiece on that was giving him sight. He had all these wires in him and he had like, he was in that chair. So I'm like, but he was already cybernetic. <laughs> so it, why go to this extra length? I thought he was part of the pure Daleks. Well, he's part of the royal Daleks. He's part of the thing that's at the top. He's in, in right. Oh, are they are they the, the imperial. Pure one? The I imperial think the imperial Daleks. Daleks are the pure ones. Oh, which so makes even the, less sense. See, I thought the imperial ones were the ones with the cybernetics. Um, we right. may need to clarify, and that's what I mean. Like that's what I'm saying. Yeah, we talked about like the hierarchy of who's got what is gets a bit muddled. Because when he opens, he's got like he's quite deep into it. He's got these wires and bits and pieces into him, and I'm like, this feels like overkill compared to what he had in Genesis. Like you know, ten years before, he's had this thing, or even more so. Like, right? And he looked more effective in that sort of mobilization of the bottom half of the Dalek than this silly sort of like lollipop head um, contraption. And so that that sort of bothered me. Um, yeah, the, the lollipop head thing, it looks like a sort of, like, radar dome just placed yes. on top of the Dalek, which, you know, I mean, look, let's be frank. The Dalek design is classic and yet kind mm. of not great and stupid at the same time, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. Um, and I love it, but but to then put a giant thing that, I mean, in the whole, one of the things that's cool about the Dalek design is that it tapers as it goes upward. Yes. Um, and then to make it bulge out in this giant yes. dome is really stupid. Doesn't look cool. But the other thing is, you're right about the cybernetic uh, point. But the, the the other thing is that, you know, while it's really only there to say, see, you thought this was a special imperial Dalek, mm. it's really a carrying case for you know for Davros. So why does Davros put that head on? And if Dav Davros was already in a sort of like futuristic wheelchair, why is he now sitting inside a Dalek case? Um, yeah. Surely that's not the most efficient way to get around. <coughs> it's just for the reveal. It is, it, yeah. And they keep referring to him as the Emperor Dalek, uh, the Emperor Dalek, or Dalek Emperor, or whatever. Um, now, you're right that the Imperial Daleks are the ones with the bionic appendages. I, I stand corrected yeah. for the audience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's <clears throat> so that was the thing. So the breakaway faction is like, you know, you've gone too far or whatever. Um, but yeah, the reveal of Davros, though, it, it does. It feels like, it, it, again, it's a cliffhanger moment. You know, um, you get the reveal and you go, whoa, and you're like, oh my God, it's Davros. <laughs> Unfortunately, like he comes back the next episode and you then spend time with him and you're just like, yeah, this doesn't look as good. You're, you don't feel as menacing. Um, however, like you said, the one thing it does is there's a, they get the, ha uh, the, the hand of Omega. And then there's this sort of confrontation over Skype with, between the doctor and, and Davros um, where they have this conversation and the, the doctor sort of, 
and this goes back to that thing about the genocidal doctor, like the doctor. It, it, I don't know, he basically has a go at, at Davros, um, and they have this sort of conversation about whatever purity and, and about sort of development and blah blah. Um, but it ends with the, the Davros fires the weapon to try and destroy Gallifrey, and so I mean I was then like, okay, so what does this thing do? And this is the problem that we've tried to keep it a mystery up until now, but now all of a sudden, like it can, can destroy a planet like millions of light years away. So I'm like, okay, so what does this thing do? I need to know how this is a weapon now, like you know, because it's not like oh we've created a dirty bomb. Like it's not like we're going to lay this on the planet; it's going to destroy it at a time. Like it, no, I'm, I have fired this weapon. Well, we've talked about how this influenced future Doctor Who stuff. I mean, this is clearly an influence on the marvel cinematic universe in that the <laughs> the the uh hand of omega does whatever the hell the writer wants it to do at that yeah. specific time yeah it is it's totally mcguffin like it seems to just do anything they want because he fires it it goes off and then it's sort of like it comes back on itself like it boomerangs back and it's going off to um scaro scaro and you know, and then you get um, Davros saying like, "You have tricked me," and the doctor's like, "No, you tricked yourself." And I'm like, "No, like, <laughs> yes. you, you, no, you did trick him, Doctor. Like, you can't justify this by saying, you know, ah, you've brought about your own doom. Uh, no, no, you, you, you have killed them." <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I, I think the idea is, you know, I, I get the point, which is like he's ready to commit genocide against the Time Lords, and it's this sort of like, yeah. well, you've pulled the trigger on your own destruction. Yeah, but, but you know, somebody else has still set that trigger to fire at the person who's holding the gun, right? Um, so the Doctor sort of weasels out of responsibility there. Yeah, it's one of those odd ones. You see this in, they've done this before, when they want to try and keep the the hero's hands as clean as possible and there'll be like some kind of sideways step to make sure that they're not really responsible for killing the body or whatever but it, but this feels like it's with intent like you can't tell me he's a mastermind you know a, man, a manipulator and then try and um sidestep responsibility Mm-hmm. You've either manipulated the situation to happen and therefore it has happened and your plan has been successful, in which case it was your intent all along, in which case it's your fault, or you didn't and therefore it's their fault. You know, like He doesn't give them an ultimatum. He doesn't sort of say, yeah, do, do you trust the technology to do what you think it's going to do? You know, I'm giving mm-hmm. you a last chance here, Davros, like right. step off. He just right. lets it happen. Yeah, and that would help a lot is, you know, if if we got that kind of dialogue, because it's not even clear, as you point out, what the doctor's plan really is. Um, It it does seem to be just let Davros get a hold of what he wants to get a hold of. Well, you know, there are easy ways of doing that and rig it so that it will backfire or not do what he thinks, which there's never any discussion of, well, we've inspected this. You know, it's not been tampered with. Um, there's never any discussion of any of this. And so it just all sort of happens. And mm. you're right that a, even the doctor alluding to his plan, taking accountability, 
and then giving Davros the choice, like, are you sure you want to destroy my entire species? Um, you know, giving him that out would, you know, the doctor would still be a genocidal maniac, but at least yeah. a genocidal maniac who gave somebody an out. Yeah, and I think, you know, it just needs that thing of because basically he just sits back and lets it happen. Um, so, but the, the other thing is, the other thing that's sort of, as you say, this is the last appearance of the Daleks for the classic um, series. So, as far as that's concerned, they're done for. That's this is them destroyed. But obviously, they come back um, in future episodes, and this is one of the things I, I you know, I know. It has to happen. It keeps happening. But this thing of sort of this time I have wiped them out of existence. They no longer exist in time and space or whatever. It's like I wish writers would stop mm-hmm. trying to put a full stop on a villain that is clearly going to come back. It, yeah, it just, I feel just, exactly the same way. I mean, how many times have we had uh, Gallifrey destroyed? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wish they would stop doing these things. And exactly as you say, yes, a a writer could imagine they want to be the one to put a full stop to it. But you know that's not going to stick. There are ways to make it equally as dramatic without without doing that. Um, But I also have a question. I mean, first of all, you pointed out how absurd it is for this hand of Omega to fly across the universe. And this is... (laughs) Such a minor pet peeve of mine. It's so sort of stupid anal Julian, but I'm really annoyed. And, and Star Wars is the worst offender, but Star Trek does it too. Uh, <laughs> that people can see light years distance. I mean, yeah. if if you blow up a planet, you instantly have like people reacting to it from you know other solar systems. No, 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 that's years away, you know? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is an annoyance. So how do you see it? How far away is Scaro? I mean, you know, they all see it instantly happen. Um, and But the other point, the real point I was going to make is they've destroyed Scaro in 63. Yes. The hand of Omega isn't traveling through time as well as flying through space, you know? So... Yeah, so Scaro was destroyed in 1963. So I guess retroactively, every time we've seen Scaro, it was in our past. Yeah. But then that also means that when, like, the Daleks were taking over Earth and the Daleks were doing everything set after 1963, they're well aware, oh, yeah, our planet has been destroyed. They were they were an outreach. They were on a different planet. They were, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those continuity. This is the thing with time travel, isn't it? Sort of. No, <laughs> I don't want it to be. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't mean but like when you present time travel shows. Yeah. If you're going to go to the future and the past, and then do something at some point, then you know, okay, well, everything beyond that point changes. Right. Um. And so yeah, like you say, the Daleks. Because you said the Doctor even acknowledges at some point that the the, the, the invasion of the 23rd century is still going to happen, or yeah. at least it's happened. You know, has has will happen. Um, but but like you're like okay, but then you've destroyed Scarra. So where are those Daleks coming from? Like okay, you you can make up headcanon excuses for that. Like you know they were off planet or right. whatever. Sure, 
Right. It, or they it, just it's, didn't it's, mention you are the you are the one who destroyed our home world and the, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. like that's the stuff that you know knew who does at its best, right? Where you yes. see stuff out of sequence, right? Um, you know, with Moffat and stuff. But you know, yeah, you can you can get around it, but still. yeah. It, it, it does feel clumsy, but the, I think one of the points about this show at this point is you're not supposed to care. Well, Do you know what I mean? you, as a viewer, like the, the writers clearly don't. They're a bit like, it looks cool. It's a, it's an ending. Move on, you know, like roll on sort of thing. Well, you, I mean, you say that you're not supposed to care. Right. You're not supposed to care about the plot and its plot holes. But you certainly are. The writers, uh, you know, and the producers are trying to swing for the fences here, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. You are yeah. supposed to care about the doctor in the show, and you are supposed to care about continuity. I mean, the whole point of this episode is we're going back to the first episode. It's mm. the 25th anniversary. I mean, there are all these references to the past Dalek episodes. So you are supposed to care about continuity, but, you know, and you are supposed to care about all of this, but. We're maybe not quite on that level yet. Yeah. Know? It's yeah, it's supposed to be sort of gentle nods rather than fixed mm. continuity. Um again, I mean, you know, there could be this is this, this hand of Omega, they don't really say what it does, but it's obviously it's integral to time travel. That's the point. Like it's a major thing. It's an integral part of time travel. So even they, they again, these are things where it could have um you could solve this with some nice little dialogue of, you know, um, saying, actually, we know exactly how far away Scarrow is from Earth. And what I've done is I've programmed it as when you fired it, it actually fired back in time to the to the disc, to the, the point of time where the light from that explosion will hit us now. Mm-hmm. So Scarra has actually been destroyed for, I don't know, a year. Or actually, I sent it back and destroyed it. Yeah, almost like the Watchmen thing of like half an hour ago, you know. I did it. Yeah, that's nice. No, that would be clever. I mean, the other thing is they both have time travel technology. I mean, yeah. our view screens allow us to do this thing. Okay, right? Well, you know, we can see in the future as it finally arrives at Scaro or whatever the hell it is. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think we're trying to overthink the end of this because it's clearly like, it, it just wants to be, it's a missile. It's gone boom. <laughs> is what it boils down to. Yeah. I uh, mean, we're not very, I'm not thrilled with this, this whole no. conclusion and with the whole hand of Omega. I mean, it's a cool name. It's, mm. it's cool. The, the, by the way, not the best, uh, hiding of the uh hand to put an omega symbol on the uh on the tombstone like yeah don't ask who's buried here because it's a super weapon from outer space yeah. don't tell anyone yeah. yeah it's it's uh it's one of those this, this, this but this is the kind of thing you get i, I look i actually kind of like when they do these things yeah. in tv and comic and stuff because it's so blatantly obvious but you're like this is our secret tomb with a big X on it. <laughs> You're like, all right, okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, it's still a cool looking tombstone. Um, mm, but then the hand is. turns around and it's like, right, I've destroyed Scaro like you programmed. Now I'm going to, I mean, supposedly it's the force of the explosion that destroys the mothership. I mean, it's not really like I thought it was the hand comes back. back. 
That's what I right. thought. But then there's like some line about how, you know, the explosion somehow. I don't know. It's um, feedback. It's a feedback. feedback thing right. Like, yeah. How does yeah, that work? I, what the hell does that mean? Uh, but then, and th- but then he also says after that, he says, "But now the hand of the maker is going to return to Gallifrey." Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm like, <laughs> "Is that a good thing?" <laughs> well, it's, it's you've been keeping genocide it weapon. hidden. Yeah, but you've been keeping it hidden, like you know, <laughs> and, and you you you've and you've across these seven regenerations, you've had several encounters with the the actual Time Lords. Mm-hmm. Where you've said they are not to be trusted. <laughs> There's exactly. a reason you're on the run. Yet you're giving them a, a doomsday device. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a whole season, a tri- the trial of a time, a time lord. Yeah. You know, like yeah, you've got the time lords should not be handed this sort of doomsday device. But you know, yeah. So again, it's it, they're trying to wrap things up. As you said, it's the 25th anniversary. They're trying to wrap things up. But I like the fact that it doesn't end with. Um, the Daleks being destroyed, like you know, it, it sort of that's that story. But then you do get like this human story as well. Mm. Um, that sort of Ace learning a lesson, like you know, she trusted this sort of this young soldier. Oh, yeah. And then and then she finds out that actually he has betrayed them to the human uh, counterparts for the, for the Daleks. Um, and. Yeah, she gets a go. She has, she has a proper go at him. Like she she like throws to punch him out. Um, but there's, there's this sort of realization on her part of like she's you know, this is she's seen that uh, no coloured sign, which is like you know obviously no black or brown people to sort of be in this bed sit, and it's his mum. So there's this idea of racism being sort of typical of this family, and then when. Um, when uh, she confronts him, like this guy, I forget the, 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 the last name, but this sergeant or this corporal or whatever says, well, the guy, this this guy who was working with the Daleks, his, his ideas made sense, and it's about purity, and it's about putting your people first, and, you know, it, it's it's all this stuff we're hearing now, but it, it was very sort of like national front, isn't it? It's sort of like, mm-hmm. you know, British for, Britain for British people, that sort of thing. Um. And her shock at that of like, I thought you were a good person. And he's like, I am a sort of a good person. Huh. But, this is, yeah. but this is what you've got to do. You put your family, you put your people first. Um, and I kind of like that that gets a resolution. But like, the resolution isn't, it's just his shock at other people don't seem to see, mm. you know, him. Like, he, he doesn't get killed or something like that. Like, you know, he gets arrested because he, he betrayed them. But I like the fact that you said about Ace getting this moment of, to complete her story as well. Yeah, I mean, I I like everything you're saying, um, you know, and I think I like that in the story, but I feel like it's sort of understated to me. Mm. Um, you know, I, I like any time that the villain is not seeing themselves as a villain, right? I mean, that's usually a wise choice. Having said that, yeah, I mean, I, I wish that there were more on this. I wish that there is that scene where Ace confronts him and says, like, I I, I liked you. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's sort of like almost a scene. But, you know, I'm thinking, right, I don't remember her pining over him. I mean, this isn't a, like, city on the edge of forever where, you know, he's the one that got away or something. 
Yeah, um, I, I don't think it's that kind of like, though. I don't think it's, if I want to sound childish, it's not like-like. <laughs> I think it's this thing of, like, she she's in a different time. I think she's... Because this is only her uh, second adventure. This is only her second serial, remember? So, you know, she's now been displaced since 1963, and she's sort of trying to find her way. And it's like that thing of, like, oh, I found someone I can trust and someone young in 1963 that I can relate to. And, I'm you know, that's all. I like them. I can... I can And then to find out that they're a racist and willing to sort of... It's sort of... To me, I didn't take that as romantic, more as like, oh, yeah. I thought you agreed with my principles and I liked you for it. Like, I found a, a, a kindred spirit, someone I could trust, and you betrayed that. Like, it feels like a... Uh... Look, I mean, we have that experience over here every time you go to, like, a grill out with your neighbor, you know? <laughs> yeah. And you realize, wow. <laughs> no, I mean, I like what you're saying. I, I, I do sort of... I still feel like there's not enough of an arc there, right? I mean, mm-hmm, I, I want mm-hmm, just, mm-hmm. you know, and you say uh, about sort of how dialogue, a little bit of dialogue, you know, could help and, and could have helped at the beginning with sort of establishing it's 1963 and here's what I feel about my earlier incarnation and stuff like this. Again, a little bit of dialogue to sort of give Ace a more proper arc or outline, underline for the audience that she has gone on that arc, right? Yeah. Um, would be most welcome. Well, it's interesting because there is a scene that I think she should have been a part of that would have helped. Um, and it was a double whammy of the scene for me, but like the doctor gets, he leaves the school and he goes back to the cafe to sort of like to chill, basically to chill out. Like he's like, you know, he's a bit, <laughs> some shit's gone down. And he's going to, so he starts speaking to the guy who runs the cafe. It's a West, it's a it's a black guy. It's a West Indians guy. Sorry, boy from the West Indies. And he has this conversation of sort of like, yeah, well, you know, I've been here this long, so, you know, and but if this and this hadn't happened, if this decision hadn't been made, like my you know, my grandfather wouldn't be wouldn't be, would have been wouldn't have been brought over here for mm-hmm. this purpose, wouldn't have been traded, and I wouldn't be here now. You know, I'm, I'm a sort of second generation, so and I wouldn't be here. And for the, the doctor's making this decision about, and it's when you watch the end of it, this is that decision about making decisions and the ripples it has through time and how it can affect people. And I like that moment when the, you know, he says that. He says, oh, it's like dropping a boulder in a river and the sort of the ripples bounce off the sides and you don't know where they're going to go. You know, you don't know how it's going to affect things through time, good or bad. And it's, it feels like Ace should have been part of that. If you've been part of that discussion, you know, to say, like, to, to give her 1988 experience, to be like, hang on, you know, well, where I'm from, like, you know, this is a different mm. thing. And the doctor was like, yeah, but like you say, there's 25 years of history have passed between now and then. Mm-hmm. You know, and you've benefited from those 25 years and you're not, and you're not talking from, you know, this gentleman's experience. I think would have been a bit more interesting to that arc to be, you know, then trusting someone and feel betrayed. Um, well, I can't believe that they have that discussion. No, I like that discussion too. I mean, it's problematic, right? Because it, it shows the doctor's sympathy, but, but it also, um, it shows the sense of historical contingency that I'm always preoccupied with. Mm -hmm. Um, the way in which, um, you know, like Gayatri Spivak has talked about how, you know, you can be 
Indian and resent uh, colonization and at the same time enjoy tea, you know, and yeah. go to Christian church and think, right, I have, we all have sort of conflicted identities, um, you know, and at the same time, obviously there are people who, at least over here, would say, right, so, you know, you're welcome for bringing you to the United States. And it's like, yeah, well, we didn't have a choice in the matter. And my ancestors weren't very yeah. happy. Um, but um, yeah, I think, I think you're right. And I think that knew who I was thinking of like the genius of, of the, the Rosa episode uh, mm. with Whitaker could do this, yes. but that was way too ambitious uh, for 88. Um, it does it, it does strike me as as strange. I'm used to seeing things in that context as an American. Were there I mean, were there even no colored signs in 1963 oh. Britain? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, you know, you, one of the things we've talked about before and, and you know, we, off air, we've talked about a couple of times in recent times, we've had the Windrush uh, scandal in this country. Um, and one of the things we did is obviously we, you know, um, up until up until recently, they asked that part of the West Indies, the Caribbean, and stuff are all still part of the Commonwealth, which means in some part they were part of an empire at some point. You know, and then we basically changed the name. We changed the badge over the top instead of empire. Now it says Commonwealth. Um, and so we we brought in um, uh, couples, young men and young women. From the West Indies post World War Two, to fulfil the labour market, you know, men and women didn't come home. So, all right, well, let's tap into this. We'll bring them over, and that wasn't just from the West Indies; it was from uh, India and, and Pakistan as well. And so, this is what happened. And so, we got this flood of, um, uh, I use my careful words, but like, let's call it an ethnic minority labour force that came in, and many just fitted in, you know, and, and, and got on with it, and. Um, you know, the jokes of sort of like, you know, Indian or Pakistanis uh, having all the corner shops. Yeah, they started up businesses. <laughs> they made mm -hmm. a go of it and they did well. And the same for, you know, these guys from the West Indies and these families from the West Indies. It did result in um, Theresa May, <laughs> generations below, people being oh. trying to be flown back to the West Indies or to sort of things because they weren't, you know, uh, I can't even get into it without getting furious, so I'm not doing yeah. that. But yeah, no, it caused masses of um, racial hatred in some parts. What is interesting is in others, it just didn't matter. So you know, it's not, it's mm. not, it's it's almost like a regional thing. Like you'll see it in uh, we had ghettoization in in Britain, and it's still evident to this day. Yeah, um, I, was, I was right. I'm yeah, racially I'm, divided areas yeah much like you know you go to new york and you get sort of like you know they call it little china or sort of little italy or whatever when i was born and raised in coventry um we had the area of fosal and fosal was known as and still is known as sort of the asian community of the city um and so you know you even if you'd go there today if you'd go on the fosal road which is a much a very very long uh, main road you will find that sort of like you know, there are material shops on there for sort of like for saris and for the you know, mm -hmm. for, uh, Asian and where you get Asian uh, uh, sweet shops and, and you know, um, some excellent curry houses, uh, all those kinds of things. That's the 
the Asian part of town. But that happened from this sort of time period when this sort of happened. And yeah, there was a great resentment. The National Front came out of this era. I mean, if you watch mm-hmm. um, a great representation of this, another another sci-fi show that's semi-linked is, is um, um, Life on Mars. Mm-hmm. Show yeah. Life on Mars. Uh, with, with again John Sim, who obviously came on, went on to become the master, and the great Philip Glenster. Uh, when when um, Sam Tyler gets sent back to 1973, it's ten, you know, sort of like 10, 20 years since these things have happened, but it was still happening in the 70s, like National Front, you know. And I'm, mm-hmm. it's this is to put things in in um, uh, rate historical it's, context, not yeah, excuse. To in, yeah, so to, to yeah, right. excuse the language I use. This is not. To, but you will hear phrases like, you know, the, to say the N-word in America mm-hmm. uh, to a black guy, we had phrases like wog or packy or and those sorts of phrases. It, so it's exactly the same, it, it, you know. So, yeah, no, to have a no-coloured sign or something would be very typical um, in this era. And I would say well into the 70s would have that mentality of... Uh, this split Britain that we had of... Go home, we don't want you. Mm-hmm. Yet they would then go, then go and give their business to the local corner shop, which would be run by a, a you know an Asian family, right. and not think twice about it. Or they would then go to a curry house and have right a, you know, Asian food, but then they'd be like, they would literally finish the meal and be like, "Here's your money now." You know, like I'm going to basically yeah, and now I'm going to throw some racial slurs at you. Like we were very confused yeah. as a country. Uh, for <laughs> we still are. Um, so yeah, that that didn't surprise me. What I found was interesting is they chose that that West Indian actor um, mm. was interesting um, for two reasons. Um, and having him in a cafe felt legit. Like he's that, that's the kind of place I think that you know they'd have an employment and everything. Um, I think he, he he felt the right age sort of thing um, and stuff. But they and but I felt that they were also sort of trying not to sort of lean too much into the accent, like you know they could have gone mm-hmm. full, almost caricature, and I'm glad they didn't. Mm-hmm. So that's so what I, I liked him. You know, I think I think it was a nice conversation and stuff, an interesting piece. The other thing that bothered me though, and this is a complete sort of like meta thing, is that actor goes on to play Jeffrey in the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> really? And I, yeah, and I couldn't get out of my head. I'm going like. It, in a matter of three years, you've moved to America and you appear on a sitcom <laughs> with a fresh with, with Will Smith. Bizarre, but um, it's a strange world. It is. I was like, it really struck me. But I like that scene because it does put 1963 in context of how sort of confused it is, and the doctor's comment of like, yeah, if you drop a a boulder and you know into mm. Mm. Uh, a river. And I, I believe that, that scene's really a commentary on saying, like, yeah, well, you drop these ethnic minorities, mm. yeah, for the right, for the potentially the right reasons or whatever reasons, into this society, like, it's going to have reverberations for decades, for generations. Yeah, I have mixed views on that. I mean, I like the metaphor, although of course it's it's the problem is not usually rippling off the, uh, off the shore, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Is actually, you know ripples creating fields where they overlap and become stronger uh but um but uh, okay uh but i like the metaphor 
one of the problems is I, I like that sense of historical contingency, mm-hmm. um, but and and unexpected, unintended consequences, which is something I'm I'm quite obsessed with, and and everything we do has them, whether it's invasion or I mean a military invasion or a change of social policy. Mm. Having said that, like every time that we rezone an area, we're also creating another ripple effect. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not as if somebody who is ethnically different or has, you know, a different melanin content coming to Britain is a boulder being dropped, right? I mean, that's not yeah. a massive event. Uh, you know, Britain was always uh, more multicultural than people think, as was the Roman mm-hmm. Empire. I mean, this is not... You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like this is a meteor strike in British history and what will come out of this, God only knows. No, but I think... I think It's gently done. It's not... It, it's, it doesn't yeah, feel... Yeah, yeah. Deep, I, think, but... I think the thing is that you say we were more multicultural. And we were. Like, Britain has always been, you know, a multicultural, um, mm-hmm. you know, island. We are for thousands of years. Like, there is, there are no Brit... Let me put it this way. There are no Britons left. Like we are an amalgamation of every um, European race, Britons and Saxons, and you know Wodes and Gauls and everything else that's Those come before poor us. Jews right? and Frisians never get any respect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we are an amalgamation. I mean, I've done those DNA tests. I've got twenty three in me. Like you know, I know I'm a mixture of all kinds of things. Um, if I was a dog, I'd be a mongrel. But you know, <laughs> it's not. I'm and I'm not. You know, afraid to say that, but. I mean, your genes are healthier, by the way. Yes, exactly. Yeah, like I have ten fingers and ten toes, and you know, I'm happy <laughs> about that. Um, but the, the point is, like I said, we were multicultural. But th- this injection of, if you Google it and you go and you have a look and you see the photos of, uh, or even the video footage of these young people being sort of brought off the boats, mm. like, the phrase "just off the boat," like you know, that's mm. what this was. Like you know, these these young people brought to the to the to the um to britain you say a boulder uh, not being a boulder in post-war britain it was because i think i feel like it was a double whammy um because we were just coming out of the war we were still recovering in the 50s and it was a choice to inject this thing and so for the working class in particular it was a shock to have this additional workforce being pumped into the system mm. that's not to say i'm excusing their behavior the, the response to it but i think it was i think it was a bit of a jolt into sort of like we're almost sort of like we're settling we're recovering and then there's this and i think it was a bit of a um for some at least it became a i mean you know, this notion of they're coming and taking our jobs you know was not to legitimize it but that was the purpose of bringing them here like we right. don't have a work we don't have a workforce so we've we've got to bring one in um but there was this thing of like, oh they're taking our jobs like, no 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 they're taking the jobs that need to be done because you don't want to do them and there's not enough people to do them and we've lost a glut of young people due to the war and we have a gap in you know we have a generational gap um so I don't know. It's completely off topic, really, because this is obviously. But well, but I mean that episode, you know, that that conversation is important to the episode, and this mm. 
you know, it, it does connect with the no colored sign. It connects with the, uh, you know, racial attitudes of, of the Daleks and also to the willingness to depict 1963 as a problematic time in a yeah. way that an unearthly child does not. Mm. Um, and, you know, uh, for the record, I mean, France experienced a similar thing as, you know, they they some people still use, you know, uh, l'Arab du coin, you know, the, the corner Arab to to mean the, the you know, the corner uh, Pakistani store. Right. It mm. would be the equivalent. Um, you know, it, yeah, it's hard to it's hard as an American to fully understand these things, because, of course, I mean, we had a. Uh, racial um, immigration policy that was finally ended, um, you know, later than 63, it was in that era. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it was under Johnson. But, um, but you know, obviously we had our own and have our own troubled racial history. But, you know, it's more, it's more, you know, obviously it's very different, right? I mean, this is mm. not, um, you know, people being imported for labor. I suppose the equivalent would be, you know, Hispanic uh, labor being imported from Mexico and from Latin America, and then, oh, they're taking our jobs sort of yeah. thing. Um, but as you say, there is this cognitive dissonance, right? Of, right, I'm, I'm enjoying this food. I'm enjoying this culture, you know? Uh, Cinco de Mayo, let's let's yeah. go out and celebrate. You know, uh, I love my kid's soccer coach who's, who's a Hispanic. You know, I've got <laughs> lots of friends. We hang out at the water cooler. Uh, and then, you know, I'm going to vote to build a wall and deport uh, people. Um, there is this odd kind of cognitive dissonance. And, it, it and, is. And that's, but that's it's important really... to have those those moments, even if mm. they're in, in 1988, even if they're a brief scene with the that uh cafe worker yeah and i think it sort of it speaks to it is it we we talk about having come a long way you know we, we say this thing about oh we've come a long way and stuff and i think we, in many many ways we have like there are freedoms for people and people are recognized now that would never be recognized in 1988 however Ace seems more liberal and more sort of like, you know, we talk about Gen Z and all this other stuff, like, you know, sort of um, being, oh, you know, they're really sort of progressives. That's like, Ace seems incredibly progressive. Like, she's open, like, you know, she doesn't care about, like, race seems to be sort of, the fact she's shocked by the, the no coloured sign and this whole sort of thing shocks her. Like, she, you know, she's really unhappy about it. Like, <sighs> There's a part of me that sort of thinks, obviously, that, you know, I think at least then the BBC was probably more liberal than it is now. But there's this depiction of Ace, of, at least of sort of trying to depict modern 1988. Is this thing you said about before? You said about, well, the, the unearthly child doesn't depict 1963 as a problematic era. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, Remembrance the Daleks doesn't really want to depict 1988 as a problematic era either because the representation of 1988 is ace and she's going like well this is shocking and we would never do this and all this other stuff <laughs> yet we're willing to show 25 years previous being problematic yet if you were to right. look at 1988 you know i mean yeah. oh, we've come sorry if you in retrospect and <laughs> look back at 1988 you'd be like right well 
you know <laughs> the national front is beating people in the street yeah yeah, the, yeah, yeah literally yeah. there'll be nf there'll be nf graffiti in places with swastikas uh the aids pandemic in epidemic was mm. still running rife and people were sort of terrified of what that would mean for the you know not just within the gay community but within the wider community you know um for your sort of sexual liberation blah blah blah, blah. like it's interesting that they tried to sort of show Ace in this way. Look, she's clearly more progressive than 63, mm-hmm. but watching it from 1922 back, you can still sort of go, yeah, but, you know, I'd like to see what Ace would make of nineteen of 2022. Uh-huh. And we may get to see that. Yeah, I, well, quite true. Um, I, I love this point that you're making about how, you know, it's like it takes a certain degree of courage to say, yeah, 1963 is, you know, wasn't, as perfect as they represented back mm. in 1963 on the BBC. On the flip side, not being willing to or courageous enough to question the present day. And I'm reminded of how how we do the same thing, you know, how, how easy it is. So many people will say, oh, there have been historic wrongs against black people. And, you know, however... I don't see any of that today, right? Yeah. There's this little of like we can congratulate ourselves and pat ourselves on the back for recognizing the injustices of the past. Having said that, I also want to point out that um you know, we are very old, my friend. Yeah. Uh consider yeah. this is 25 years earlier. Like yeah. the equivalent is if this happened today, we're going to travel back in time to the age-old culture of 1998. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This was again. Like, I've seen it as a meme that people have pointed out. Like, Back to Future was done today. Like, mm. Marty goes back to 1992, and you're like, "No, that that's wrong. <laughs> can't be right. That's I can't I can't agree with that." Um. <laughs> So yeah, I mean the twenty-five years isn't as long as as you know um, we think, really, in historical terms. You know, it's, it's a it's a blip on on a historical calendar. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, yeah, twenty-five years after this would have been, like I said, the early excuse me, early two thousand. So mm-hmm. we we you know we have come on, but yeah. Things get um, better, but, you know, I mean, one of the things that science fiction often gets wrong is this idea of a culture changing overnight. And the reality yes. is once in a while, there's an issue that kind of flips overnight, but it doesn't mean everyone goes along for the ride. I mean, mm. gay marriage flipped like that. But, you know, there are still places where, uh, you know, uh, homosexuals, queer people, certainly trans people are being routinely killed. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, just because the culture as a whole has kind of flipped doesn't mean everyone goes along. And and so your point is well made. And I and I think it's important to understand. I mean, this is also important to understand as we live our lives that and this is kind of the point of uh, the the whole ripple effect and also mm-hmm. the final line of sort of time will tell that. Yeah, these changes take time. Um, well. What before? Because you're right about time will tell. The one thing that struck me that last line, as well, and I wanted to sort of get to this, because this episode is about consequences, and time will tell. And one of the things I've said repeatedly through this classic Who retrospective has been, 
I want the doctor to go back to, you know, the macro terror, the, the colony, see what happened there. Mm-hmm. I want him to go back and face up to the consequences of this, this, and this. Like we've gone through those different things. Um, you know, let's face it. Was, what was it? That was the macro terror. Then it was, what was the other one? Um, I forget which one it was. There was a couple we've done where I thought, okay, well, was it Varos? Um, Angels on Varos? Yeah. Yeah. Where it was about that. That was about the justice, wasn't it? And then sort of like, you know, they took away. And at the end, that ends with them going like, oh, we're free. And then like, what do right. we do now? Mm-hmm. Like, right. I want, like, this, this episode, Remembrance of the Daleks, sort of acknowledges that. Like, the doctor's mm-hmm. going back and going like, yeah, 1963, I left this massive <laughs> this doomsday device kicking about in a funeral parlours that I'm going to bury, I've got to deal with that. I've not been great on some of my decisions. Like that mm. That's the point. You know, he has that conversation saying like, yeah, I've probably not made all those best decisions. Like, what are the rip? Mm. You drop a boulder, like overthrowing mm-hmm. a social structure. <laughs> what does that mean? And so I was quite surprised getting to the end of this episode where I've been saying this, I've been banging on about this for all this, and all of a sudden the doctor is going, now we are fully aware that <laughs> you know these these things are happening through his through his adventures, and we're sort of going to acknowledge that past twenty five years, yeah, we may have set ripples on things and stuff. Um, yeah, and and that's in response to Ace asking if what they that they've done good here, yeah, um, and the doctor's like, yeah. I can't promise you that. <laughs> yeah. It's just pretty cool. Isn't there another line uh, where the McCoy does mention, um, like, uh, uh, having made mistakes? He's sort of like a, a yeah. which is right up that your alley, right up uh, your point, your arguments. Um, but and, and he does. I think it's, it's earlier in this ep- in the, in the mm. final episode. And he says about like, you know I haven't made I've, yeah I've made mistakes in the past. Like you know, we all do. And I'm sitting there going like. Wow, like they are literally addressing the the things that we have pointed out. Like they've, you know, I'm not saying that the, the writers have sat and looked at the shows mm, and gone yeah. to the level that we have, but there's clearly almost like this acknowledgement of like, yeah, we're not perfect. And I like that thing of, as you say, like time will tell. But I want to see that time does tell. You know, like I want yes. that to be that thing. I like, I want that. I, I almost want it to be. Now I think this about is your it. life. Yeah, Welcome. almost. But now I almost want it to be the seventh doctor that has to deal with that. Like mm. what what happened between uh, is it Delta and the Bannerman? Um uh what's I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna double check. Survival is the last series. No, between so the, the last yeah, that, there you go. Dr- Dragonfire, sorry, Dragonfire oh. was the last serial of season twenty-four. Right, 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 right. What what happened between Dragonfire and Remembrance of the Daleks? That as the doctors changed, you know, because they've recalibrated for TV. But like, I'm going to give head cannon, like, you know, and he's now coming back and going, <laughs> like, I've got to be a bit more sort of structured in the way I'm thinking. I've got to be more sort of like manipulating you know, them. There are there are grander plans in place, and then this acknowledgement of saying, like, yeah, we don't always get it right. All right, what happened between those two serials for him to change? Maybe like that, this episode or this story that I'm thinking about is what happened, you know. Yeah, there uh, needs to be like an animated episode between those two seasons uh, in which the doctor kind of has to deal with at least one consequence from his past. Yeah. Um, you know, you sort of see 
early Ace, right, kind of evolving. But you see the Doctor, and then the episode ends with an excuse to go back to where it all began. Or, you know, there's maybe that uh, animated episode even deals with, uh, you know, something related to uh, the hand of Omega. Uh, and the Doctor's like, right, you know what? Since I'm addressing what yeah. I've left unfinished... I left a doomsday device. Yeah, I left the oven on. Oh, I better go deal with that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. I, I think you know that could that would be a perfect episode. It would be ending with this thing of like you know, even if he's confronted by this guy called Omega, like they don't say Omega, they say you know Omega or whatever. They sort of they say it funny to try and sort of like give it a bit of a you know sci-fi pizzazz. Whoever this person is that named it and helped that worked with the doctor, like him saying, you no, know, confronting and sort of saying, like, you know, yeah, we have unknown consequences through time and space and whatever. And the doctor going, like, yeah, okay. After going through this tale, I bet I should really go back and not leave this <laughs> solar system destroying device kicking around South London. Um, yeah, it feels like there's a gap, doesn't there? Like, you know, and I think it would yeah. be cool to see that that, that sort of fill. Um, yeah, I mean, you could even have uh, the the hand of Omega back on uh, uh, with the Time Lords on Gallifrey, you know, in that three. And it was like, right, how did it get here? You know, yeah. I've, I'm forced to confront my past. And then that helps, you know, clear up at least a little bit some of the time mm. stuff. But I, but I love and I'm obsessed with sort of this is with these sort of untold chapters, whether it's in Star Trek or, or other yes. uh, things and the need to, what I think is the need to go back and fill them out with stuff that actually makes what we do have better. Yes. There's sort of stories between the stories. Mm -hmm. um, and I agree. I think that's sort of, yeah, it would, it would make things better, wouldn't it? Like it's filling in those gaps and, smoothing out some of their story arcs and stuff or those character arcs um because there is that shift and obviously this one does just start and i, I like that i like this idea of having to go back and, and um address these things so i don't think it'll ever happen but you never know with you know we've got uh what's it you know what's it t davis back he's obviously all about those kinds of things so we shall see um but uh, but yeah, but I mean, let's just sort of bring that to a close. I mean, that sort of brings this one sort of full sort of circle, really. But what, so, any final thoughts then for remembrance of the Daleks? No, I think I think it's decent stuff, and I and I think that I'm of two minds about sort of what this means for uh, Doctor Who as a whole. On the one hand, I'm amazed at. at how good most of these episodes are, how watchable mm. these episodes have been. And this is certainly very watchable. I didn't feel like it, it, it drug at all. In fact, I think this is much faster than, than some of the others that we've done. Having said that, I also see that it's one of the highest rated. I think in some list it, that they did, uh, somebody did, it was like seventh of all time of the original. So, which, you know, all right, that that's about fine. But then you think, Right, so this is sort of middling good for me. There are seven there are six serials better than that. That's a yeah. low this is a pretty low bar. So that's sort of my two minds about it. And and having seen whole seasons, you know, I, I do think it's good. Um 
it, it works. But, you know, it's old Doctor Who. So I love it, but it has <laughs> these plots. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it does have sort of slightly gay plot. I, I, I'm very much the same. I, I, really, I think I feel the very I really enjoy this serial. Like it's, it's, it's four parts. It it flies part, it, like, at, a, at a pace. It's action-packed. I think some of the you know the practical special effects are good. Um, I like this doctor. I like Sylvester McCoy as a doctor. I think you know um, going through this season and the next, I really enjoy twenty five and twenty six. There's some really good stories in there, and I find the doctor really interesting. I find Ace good as well. Like she she develops um, to become you know even in the next season like she's got even more agency. Like she's actually sort of directing parts of the adventure and stuff, which is great. And so I think it was sort of heading in a new direction. And I think it's a real shame that this then got cancelled in the way it did. But for remembrance of that, so I think it's you're right. It's really good fun. I really enjoy it. It does have problems, like mm-hmm. in both storytelling and um, setup and some of the bits and pieces. Even in sort of like theme, like like you say, it sort of it wants to do certain things, but isn't quite brave enough to do the things it wants to do. Um. And I wish it had the balls just to push it that little bit further. Uh, and I think it would be excellent. But there's so much in this one, and as we've pointed out, that sort of like you can see in the re, you know, the re, when uh, Doctor Who came back in 2005, that starts to not so much pay off, but like tonally and um, just the way that it approaches certain things like feels much more like Eccleston. Like, I'm not saying, well, you know, we'll talk about excuse me, Paul McGann maybe in the wrap-up and we'll, we'll give some news on that. But I can, see, I can see where I couldn't see a sort of connection with some of the earlier Who's to Eccleston. I can with McCoy and Eccleston. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that I can. So it sort of brought us to that point. But no, I enjoyed this. I thought it was a great. I, I, you know, this I would watch this one again. I think. So yeah, yes, and it, it makes me want to watch more, and and, and track down more good stuff. Uh, yeah. of, of Doctor Who, and, and and I quite like the sort of picking the best, um, you know, that we've done because having having sat through whole seasons and thought, right, I've got this was going to be a slog, <laughs> you know. So yeah. how many how many episodes do I have to go on this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is nice to, to to watch these and enjoy them. But yeah. we're uh, we're done. Almost, we are, we're almost done. Yes, we are gonna do. We've got two little, we've got two diverging timelines, if you will. Uh, and the next episode, we are going to be doing sort of like a, a, a classic Who wrap up, uh, where Julian and I will go back and give some sort of uh, extended thoughts on classic Who overall. Uh, and especially the stories that we've talked about. So we will go through all those different pieces again. Um, and we're probably going to rank the, 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 well, we'll rank the stories, I think, sort of our favourites as they've gone through them, which I'm sure will cause some discussion. Um, <laughs> uh, but more than that, we are, um, we we want to sort of, there's some other bits to sort of, to cover off in in classic Who uh, before the re-sort of return in, in 2005. There is the movie uh, with Paul McGann, as we said. And also the comic relief uh, sketch, which lasts about 20 minutes, 25 minutes or so, uh, which is called, and it's escaping me now, and I I remembered it earlier. um, The Curse of the Fatal Death. The Curse of the Fatal Death, which features uh, a number of comedians playing the Doctor. 
Um, and so we are going to um, talk about The Curse of the Fatal Death. And we're going to talk about the Doctor Who movie for our Patreon. Um, so we're going to be sort of bonus episodes. I think we both want to do them. Mm-hmm. But we also want to move on with season four. Um, so we're going to do this for the patrons. If you like what we're doing, they will be available. Um, I'll, I'll, I think we'll do them for for pretty much. I think well, we'll I'll make a decision. I haven't decided yet to what level we'll make this available. We'll talk about that, but they will be on there. Um, so go check that out, and I'll be putting links out to those uh, when we do. Um, but yeah, I think we've got we're wrapping up on who really. We've got one more episode to do our discussion, and then we're moving into um, season four. Um, season four yeah this is it you know we're getting to a new season we're back into movies and we'll talk about more in the next episode the end of the next episode but like we go um this new season sort of julia and i have approached it in a a slightly different way we sort of you know not so we're doing exactly what we always do we're going to be talking about films and and that we both love and and we have conversations but we're going to go back to some early films uh, we're talking 1930s to begin oh, with. Man. So, yes, I'm looking forward to that. Some real sort of like old school sci-fi. But that we're taking it. It's going to cover almost a century. We're going from the 30s right up to I think the 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 end of the season takes us to 2020, maybe 2021, but I think 2020. Um, so we're covering at least like 90, yeah, 90 years, sort of like you know, uh, nine decades. Yeah, so right, nine 90 decades. 90 years exactly. Yeah. So we're going to so awesome. I love that. Yeah. So we've got some great stuff coming up in the future. I'm very, very excited about. And we will release that information soon. Once um, the wrap-up episode has been released, I'll be releasing the full list of movies we are going to be covering in season four. Um, and you know, you can start getting excited for those. So anyway, Julian, as always, thank you very much. It's been great fun this. Um, and we'll get to a wrap-up. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. If you like what we're doing, as always, sort of go on, leave us a a review. We appreciate all the reviews. Um, And also go and check out our Patreon. Seriously, like for five pounds, five sterling, uh, you get access to all kinds of things, especially Julian and I working our way through the Twilight Zone. Every week you get us trekking through the Twilight Zone, episode by episode. Uh, And they've been a great fun to do. They're about between 15 and 20 minutes long. uh, And we're talking about all those one by one. Uh, and every week yes every tuesday you will be getting a trekking uh through the twilight zone and then every month you get me doing 30 minute thoughts and then every quarter and other bits every quarter i've got um different creators coming on so doing all kinds of bits and pieces very exciting uh so go and check that out for five pounds as well you get quite a lot of stuff on there as well um other than that though we just appreciate people listening to this absolutely and we're at at (laughs) Uh, pod time space on Twitter. Yes. You know, please engage with us. And and if you and if you do follow us on Patreon, thank you very much for your support. Um, I I just want to say for uh, for those who don't know, five pounds is about six dollars or something. Yeah, it's not it, it's not a lot. And in fact, and in the current remembrance of the Daleks, there's this discussion of uh, what is it like? There are 12 pennies in oh, the, a, the metric system. Yes. Right. This is before the British, uh, you know, fixed their currency to something more sane. Um, but, you know, it's like five pennies in a pence and 20 pence in a pound. 
<laughs> yeah. I've never, I, I, you know, I was very lucky. I was born post-metric sort of conversion, but mm. I still know people, uh, mm. you know, grandparents that can tell me how many shillings or how many, you know, all that other stuff, how farthings and stuff, how it all adds up. Mm. Um, and uh, it baffles me. So it's, it's, it's crazy. Yes. Thank God for <laughs> decimalization. Um, so yeah, it's about $6, I think. Uh, but seriously, go check out the link down below. Uh, I don't think you'll regret it. Even if you join for a month, if you were to join for a month, and you know the app, you get you know you can probably listen to an awful lot in that time. So I'm not saying do that. Join forever. You got so much new stuff. Um, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. Really appreciate it, and we shall see you for the wrap up uh, on the next episode. streams.